Welcome to the Next Level Show, where we talk with people behind Next Level ideas, products and technology that are changing the world around us. I'm Lubo Smith, the co-founder and CEO of STRV. And my guest today is Daryl Kelly, the CEO of Limited Inc., a highly curated online platform that works with creators and brands to launch and sell premium digital NFTs. In this episode, Daryl shares the reason he decided to focus on physical assets while 99% of the market invested in digital only, and why Limited Inc. is in no rush to out-hype competitors, choosing to create thoughtful connections instead. So let's dive right in. Daryl, thank you so much for hopping on the show. So happy to have you. And yeah, welcome to Prague. I know that your schedule here was quite packed, but so happy that we have a chance to do the podcast together and learn everything that you have gone through in the Web3 space and also before. And that's been an exciting journey. So I'm really very much looking forward to learn all about that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me, especially in Prague, which is an incredible city. I've been here once before, but, you know, stuck mainly to the tourist usuals. But it's great to get more infused into a local scene and also like, you know, meeting local business people and innovators. So it's been great so far. Lovely. Well, you came during the Prague Blockchain Week. Mm -hmm. Last time you were here was most mostly the touristy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, how would you compare the two? What do you think Prague has to say mm -hmm. when it comes to the global tech scene or yeah. blockchain scene? I'm really impressed, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I didn't really have any expectations because it's, you know, it's a new place for me in that kind of sense. So, but I am completely blown away. I mean, I know some uh, Czech investors in the NFT scene, you know, Grateful and a few others who we've become, you know, I'd say part of the same army when it comes to, you know, board apes and that kind of stuff. And it's, that's been a fun scene online, but getting here and actually meeting and greeting real people and seeing who's behind the, the PFPs, if you like, and just seeing all the, you know, budding enthusiasts as well. like. Thank, very lovely to come and speak at the event the other day. And just in that audience, there were so many people who were really enthusiastic about what we're all doing. So quite incredible. Yeah, I know that you have a very interesting take on the Web3 space and how blockchain should be leveraged and mm. what are and what are not the use cases to follow. Mm. Is there an easy way how you would describe your position on how to look at blockchain? Well, I mean, I would say what, what we do at Limited Inc. is definitely very niche, but I wouldn't say it's the only way to do it either. And and even in the niche we're tackling, which is fidgetals, I'd say there's even a number of ways to do that. But we certainly have developed a certain product, which we've, you know, we've started building in 2020. So like quite early on, and it came from essentially me having been involved in Bitcoin since 2016. And then kind of watching the space develop and I have always had an interest in art and fashion and you know limited edition collections and so I had a kind of unique knowledge of the, those two worlds and so it kind of made sense to put the two together and I've always had been a fan of playing around with NFC technology and it was kind of this perfect storm so that's why we've kind of gone down that road and it's been really effective to kind of help brands and artists produce real world products and solve real world problems using the technology that you know provides basically verifiable scarcity so yeah but i mean there's so many use cases that i think people have you know developed tons of stuff on, on the you have mentioned word that might not be familiar to everybody 
Fidgetals. Fidgetals, yeah. Not How- a particularly nice word, I must admit. But. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds interesting, that's for sure. But how would you describe fidgetal? What it is, how it works, yeah. why does it matter? Yeah, okay. So again, like it's 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 a word that's stuck with us. You know, and I, I think when we started, we had a you know, we've we've got a PR firm, Waxman PR, who are investors actually in Limited Inc. and they're the number one PR firm pretty much in Web3. And you know, we said to them and our, you know, our advertising agency, we said to everybody, you know, if you can come up with a term that really coins what this represents, then I think that's going to be a huge kind of market because digital, the reason we start with digital, it, it really does kind of summarize what we're trying to do. And that's create products that exist in a physical world and a digital world. And so the way we do that is by binding them by NFC technology. So there's actually a digital twin of the physical objects. It could be a hoodie, it could be a piece of art and so the idea you know quite simply is just an object that exists in the digital world and in the physical world so and i think as we go more and more digital having the ability to even like show off your physical collectibles in the digital world is quite an interesting concept because the digital flex if you like like you know we collect these pfps or we collect art box you know art on chain or rx copy one of ones whatever that might be whoever your favorite artist is or your brand we keep these collectibles in our wallet and i believe like that you know the wallet is going to become the kind of the new social media of the future like people are going to be following people who are big collectors or looking at what other people collect and collecting them because they like who they are or they like what they you know what they represent so having the ability to actually show off that you own this piece of art on the wall but also have it in your collect in your wallet is you know kind of allowing that product to exist in two worlds at one time so it was like an interesting play from the branding perspective to make sure how do you position yeah. yourself? How do you pick the right branding for it and the name? Exactly. Yeah, uh, exactly. And Fidgetals, yeah, it hasn't gone away, basically. It keeps keeps sticking around. And so when you say it, people know what you mean, I think, mostly. And so, yeah, we've kind of adopted it. And It is pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. But to be honest, I haven't seen many, many people using it mm-hmm. uh, just yet. But I think that I think that that will change, and the reason I think that will change is because an object has never really existed in both worlds until recently, and really until like, and I'm not saying we're the first to do it necessarily, but you're going to see more and more of, and you know, look at the other brands doing it, Nine DCC, and there's a, there's quite a few others who are going after the kind of digital space because it just makes so much sense. Let's look at the art world. Let's look at the fashion world. It makes sense to be able to verify the authenticity or proof of ownership of something physical through a digital token. Yeah, so, no, like no doubts about that. And I actually would love to ask you what you think of the Apple keynote that happened very recently and yeah. the new the new product that they have announced. Because like combining physical with digital, yeah. it seems like you know there is something that could resonate with you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I must admit, I haven't caught the whole. I haven't caught the whole thing yet because we've been so busy with everything in Prague, but. I definitely want to catch up with it in more detail, but the but definitely a VR headset that allows you to basically almost live and exist in both worlds at one time. You know, you have this augmented reality where you put the you know you put the goggles on or the VR on, and suddenly you have this interface that is this intermediary between the digital world and the world you exist in and are standing in. And it's I think it's a massive step towards you know putting that stamp of approval on metaverses and showing the rest of the world that augmented reality is actually coming. 
you know, it seems to be kind of like was how AI has been for the last 20 years until last month. It's just everywhere. You know, I feel like that the, the VR goggles are going to do that for AR and suddenly everyone's going to realize AR is actually a real product and something that's going to take us even further into the digital world. What was very interesting for me is that they did not really use the word metaverse as far as I'm concerned, and mm -hmm. I haven't managed to consume the entire over two hours of the presentation, but they used totally different words mm -hmm. to describe more or less the same thing yep. that a lot of other people and organizations mm -hmm. were trying to go after, and that's special computing, mm -hmm. right? They they kind of branded that category totally mm -hmm. differently uh, just for themselves. But to me, this is an extremely interesting take mm -hmm. from the marketing perspective for a simple reason. I think that metaverse has become an overused buzzword. Yeah, like NFTs. And like yeah. NFTs, yeah. like Web3, yeah. like a lot of these terms that we hear on a daily basis. Mm. And as much as they rely on very similar technology and very similar principles, they just use an entirely new term that mm. was not really floating around that much. Yeah, I think very smart, very smart move. You know, we we started to do it a lot more is, you know, really reduce the terms of, you know, when you use certain technologies, you don't really, no one really uses the technical terms behind them. You know, you don't know really how the electricity works, for example, all these kind of other technical ones. But same for them. I think it's good to drop that lingo that, you know, everybody's sick of hearing and just call it what it is. You know, it's it doesn't need to be. And I think they've clever distancing themselves from these buzzwords that, you know, weren't right now are very bearish, I'd say. Yeah, I think that there is, two points of view on that, right? The first one, using the term can really help elevate your idea, mm. can help you to set the direction and so on. But when the term becomes overused mm. and a lot of people start using it and a lot of people start using it, but they are not true to it, they mm. are just like, leveraging it because it's a hype, right? Buzzword, exactly. Then, then it becomes very tricky. And mm. like, you 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 mentioned the example about electricity right but i could go and like add another example that like when we look at different kinds of digital products today we don't really look at the infrastructure they they rely on right no one says oh we are on aws or we are exactly. on google cloud yeah, uh, yeah exactly or like the types of languages they use or technologies frameworks whatever that is the internet uh, i mean no one in, really knows in, half of what goes on behind yeah, the internet. in the end what you care about is only the user experience mm -hmm. what you are getting out of it and i think the majority of the focus should definitely be there yeah Apple have always been really good at doing that as well, haven't they? You know, they never really sold a phone for its capacity to call people. It was always, okay, well, what does the phone do? And, you know, they played on the camera, for example, which was always a big feature of the phone, which it makes sense. They're a lifestyle product, aren't they? What was your background before joining the Web3 space? And how did you decide that this might be something that would fulfill your life for a little while? Yeah. For my sin, it's been a rocky, you know, such a volatile market, isn't it? I don't think I really understood that part of it when I was getting into it. But 
I come from real estate, insurance, finance, actually in Barbados as well, which is a Caribbean island. So, you know, quite a chilled environment. But at the same time, we were, my brother and I were business partners and we started and built our own businesses together. So it was always, we've always been very used to long hours, working for ourselves, no weekends, working late, getting up early, you know, everything you need to do to start your own business. And it was through those businesses we were introduced to Bitcoin in 2016 and we ignored it for a while, I think like the most people, especially that early as well. It was really like, it was like $250. And I, I, my brother and I were talking about it and we dismissed it and then like, something circled back around and I said, okay, I'm going to unlock myself in my apartment and I'm not, not coming out until I understood. And it took me three days or something like that. And I literally went in Friday, came out Monday morning and I was like, well, this is going to completely change the world digital scarcity is this new concept and I was like wow you know and again that wasn't really understood back then either you know you had to be in this really kind of small crowd of people to kind of take that step and invest in bitcoin because it was even so volatile then and I suppose that was it once I understood the concept of digital scarcity it changed the way I looked at things it changed the way I looked at ownership it changed the way I looked at hard assets it changed the way I looked at money because I basically got education in the fiat central banking system and this took me down this really long path of the, you know, what's, what does money mean? What does value mean? What's wrong with the financial system? And I became a pretty much a Bitcoin maxi for a while, <laughs> and and then I just kept ed- educating myself and reading and learning and and uh, trying to find out where I would fit into the space. And in 2020, I launched my first blockchain related company called the Bitcoin Movement, which was a, you know, Bitcoin is a decentralized brand. At the end of the day, no one owns it, which is great. So that's why it exists. No one can shut it down. That's what gives it its power. There's no chairman. There's no CEO. There's no there's no office, which is something I love. I love I'm a decentralized maxi as well still. And so we created this brand that worked with artists to create collections around the brand of Bitcoin. So we created hoodie collections, T-shirts. And we were trying to make Bitcoin cool because it was, you know, it, all it was ever referenced to was the financial system or a commodity or something, an asset. But it was much bigger than that. It was a philosophy. It was a way of living really like you know i think that's captured now you know more people understand it but back then we were trying to make we were trying to create art around it and there were no artists to be found because no one got it yet so we were i was like paying artists to create art about bitcoin and i was putting them on t-shirts and i was trying to sell them and fast forward a little bit because i again i was passionate about blockchain i had this idea to put nfc chips into the collections that we were creating to make them verifiably scarce because I kind of, again, transforming that digital scarcity concept to the real world items now. And I managed to find a quite a big wrapper in the UK to do it. And we did 300 pieces and we did a proof of concept and we launched it. It went really well. And uh, yeah, when people loved the technology, they could use it. It wasn't like too technical. You know, you just could take your phone out and scan it. And uh, off the back of that, I then raised half a million dollars and uh, we built a small team. And we spent the next 18 months building Limited Inc., which is the platform that we now, you know, we are now built fully on the Ethereum rails. And uh, yeah, we've gone from kind of from client to client to client, launching digital collections with artists and brands. Very nice. You just described a, a great success story, how to go and try it out with just an idea, build a mm. concept. Do a I was in Barbados at the time do- as well. So I had these chips sent to me from, you know, halfway across the world. I was on a tiny island. And I was kind of tinkering with them online in my apartment in the Caribbean. And then I was shipping those ships to London. And one of my investors at the time, had a, she's a, has an advertising agency in London. And she helped me do the whole thing from there. And I was in Barbados. We launched it. 
and it was a big success. And, and I was like, right, okay, well, there's definitely something to do here. So let's 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 not focus just on the Bitcoin niche. Let's build a platform and a brand, and now offer this technology to like you know generally brands and artists who want to leverage it. Let's dive a little bit into what you are now focusing on with Limited Inc. And what are some of the avenues that you are taking with like building the yeah. product out and like how it can be applied and so on? Yeah. So we were really lucky to launch in we launched in Gen- February 22. We had Wrangler and Leon Bridges. So it was a really great Genesis project to launch the platform with. Essentially, it was a one-of-one physical jacket and jeans. So the perfect kind of use case for what we're doing. It's like, how do you verify cool, you know, fashion or art on the blockchain? And it was just really great project to to open the doors with and from there we've really kind of gone from strength to strength and partnered with a lot of fashion brands and i'm very passionate about the art world as well and i, I have a you know besides working in like finance i'm actually i'm paint and i have a creative side i've got a fine art degree like that's really what i come that's what i'm passionate about is more the art side but so like i always try and steer the company towards art as well and artists and what really like at the same time as building the bitcoin movement there was this big boom on the ethereum blockchain and what caught my attention was the creator economy you know this royalty that was being paid to artists every time they were selling art on the secondary market they were getting a share back like 10% royalty i was like wow this is crazy so essentially trying to bring artists traditional artists into this space so our technology is really perfectly applied to artists and so our two pillars are really fashion and artists and that's kind of we're trying to work with you know reputable artists it doesn't mean you've got to be well known or famous or, or or what we don't want to we don't want to open the doors up to everybody and suddenly we've got scammers and rug pulls and everybody minting digitals and there's no kind of curation and quality control because we do want to kind of create an ecosystem where people associate limited ink with quality and reputable brands and artists so that when they're investing in those items they know that they potentially a store of value i mean we can't make any guarantees but you know it should be that they're putting their hard-earned money into something that actually has a long-term brand or artist behind it continuing to create like you know professionals yeah i would say that the verification of authenticity is like extremely important these days right and yeah especially a, like with ai and all that around the corner there's a huge demand for it so What are some of the pieces of technology that you rely on? How do you make sure that you know you provide a good la- layer of of security mm-hmm. when you are the trusted Provider. source? Yeah, exactly. Well, one thing we did do, which actually came along the journey of after we'd launched, and it came through conversations and feedback from our clients. So we built an app. When I was I was quite strong headed about making sure we had an app and I thought we needed an app to make sure that the experience that the collectors were having when they touched the product and scanned it for that authenticity was through an app but uh, people raise queries about it like what happens if limited ink does for one whatever reason disappear okay well then how do people interact with it so at that point we actually changed our model and we made it so that you can also scan the product by just tapping your phone on it so we took down this barrier to entry where you had to have a limited ink product to scan the product And so I thought that was quite a, you know, we we basically take our feedback from our clients and evolve with what makes us as decentralized as possible. So now no matter what happens to limited ink, you can still verify and scan that product because it's bound to the public blockchain, Ethereum blockchain. So 
besides that, obviously, we make sure all of our hardware is top of line and, you know, double encrypted, encrypted and, you know, the best that we can get. And, you know, we, all our R&D stuff is, you know, put towards making sure that our product has you know, staying power and technologically hard. Is it expensive to insert these NFC chips into the physical products and bind it with the blockchain record? So it kind of, no, it's not terribly expensive. It's not expensive, as expensive as most people might think. What's expensive was, you know, the investment it took to build the platform and the minting facility to get to make sure that we can do it for our clients. But actually now we've done that, we've made that investment. It's really at quite low cost to actually produce a limited edition collection. Where we're finding it to be quite expensive is actually on the Ethereum blockchain and all the gas fees that we have to pay. So we're kind of like, okay, well, we probably might migrate or go, you know, make sure that we're on different blockchains like Polygon, Polygon for example, so that the gas fees are nominal. But yeah, it's not crazy expensive. You know, you've got to deploy a smart contract and then you've got to mint the NFTs. You know, it's a few hundred dollars. I mean, from the hardware standpoint, because you have to input the chip in like every individual item. Yeah. Right? So well, do you also take care of that process for yeah. Yeah, your clients? Do. Yeah. And again, it, we, we're quite flexible. So we work with our clients and basically it, depending on what they need, we can do. So for Wrangler, they do all the manufacturing themselves. They're the company, the denim company. So we just built the chips, programmed them, minted them, and sent them the chips. Then they put them in the product. For a Brave Club or Skoda, we did everything. So you know, we took care of the 100 pieces, we put the chips in, and then we shipped them out as well. So the client didn't even you know touch anything. So it really depends on what the client's capacity is, you know how much they really want to get involved and and we take we take care of so it seems like you you are preferring to do the white glove service versus yeah, like exactly. scaling it to crazy numbers and not having control on it's very uh, much a white glove experience yeah we like and i'd say that from the ground up like even on the conceptualization of the project we take you know much more agency position when we're talking to a client like okay because we don't want to launch a product that we don't believe in either And that's a big part of making sure the curation is up to a certain standard. So we're quite careful about what projects we do take on because I'm a big believer in whatever comes out of the company should be a, not necessarily work of art, but it's got to be of a standard, you know, beautifully made and, you know, packaging everything we're very careful with. And I really... So how do you balance, you know, keeping the level of clients above a certain bar? Mm-hmm versus also proving that you have some traction yeah it's not working line. well yeah there's a fine line because you know we've all got shareholders to, to answer to and and the business to run so yeah well you know just very carefully you know we're it's a, it's a balance of quality and quantity and volume but i'd like to position ourselves to be high ticket valued items as opposed to volume you know i don't want a million nfts out there trading for ten dollars each i want hundred out there or a thousand out there trading for a ten thousand each you know if it's art or if it's fashion that kind of that kind of model yeah has your perspective on how you are building limited ink changed throughout the past couple of years since like you know today there is not a huge demand yeah. or certainly there is not a big hype around this mm -hmm. uh, what it, what did it cause on your side So we've always been physical first. So we we were building before NFTs blew up. We you know the fact that NFTs blew up while we were well just before we launched really was actually 
well, I don't know if we call it a benefit, I suppose it was, because but it made the space very busy and very competitive. And, you know, but yeah, we were always physical first. So actually, the the state of the market doesn't really impact our business model. Like, we basically launched limited edition collections that are backed by the blockchain. So the NFT, the lingo, it can all fall behind, doesn't really matter. You don't have to get the NFT, you don't have to have a wallet in order to scan one of our products. You just take your phone out and you scan it. And so the idea behind us has always been to put NFTs in people's hands. Like real, you know, when you take one of our hoodies, it's actually an NFT, but no one knows that. So, but if they want to and they have the knowledge, they can get out their wallet and they can come and buy the NFT or claim it. And then they have the digital twin attached to the physical. But if they don't, we'll custody the NFT until they understand what it means and want and want to take ownership over it. So I'd say, yes, we've definitely been a bit more careful about the language you use. So, you know, everyone's dropped the terms NFT, Web3, blah, blah, blah. So we've we've done, we've adjusted like that. But I'd say if anything, the digital component of what we do has been more attractive to people because digital asset class, which you know, I think the the what the bull market just did was put that asset class on everyone's radar. So now I think everyone understands the idea of digital scarcity and digital assets and the fact that, you know, art can exist on chain and digital art can have value. But that big that market's now boomed and bust and we're down in the bear market and everybody's looking for a way to give value to their collectors and brands are looking for ways to basically do cool stuff in the space but without delivering another digital asset. And so they're looking for ways to do it and we're the perfect kind of model really because Again, we can put something tangible in people's hands. They don't have to get into the nitty gritties of what it is and how it works, but it is an NFT. So we're still as busy as we always have been, really. Well, I'm happy to hear that you have found a, a use case where, you know, the hype cycle does not really influence you. Yeah. Does that mean that like majority of your clients are not coming from the Web3 space, that you have a blockchain-based product that is pretty much ready for the masses and that anyone can use as long as like you want you want to have something of scarcity that uh, exactly. uh, you will put your technology on but people and companies are coming from yeah all most of our clients now are web2 you know looking to do something interesting and you know our product could be given to you know for example Skoda who are giving the 100 hoodies to their community they're not selling them which means Essentially, they've paid us for a service to create this collection, and then they're giving away these as you know tokens of appreciation to their community. That's both Web three and Web two communities. And so, it's, we've now been in conversations with other brands through this Prague experience, and people really love the idea of what we're doing. So, it's that I think that's kind of where we're going to focus our energy for a while is, you know, enabling brands to offer an elevated and enhanced experience through the product that they already deliver, but you know applying that layer of technology makes it even cooler and fun. Is there some collaboration across your different engagements? Is there any benefit to it? Or it's pretty much like Bespoke, you tailor it to everyone's needs and they are then on their own? What do you mean by that exactly? That like if like, let's say somebody has two pieces from Limited Inc. Oh, from different collections, yeah. whether there is, there is a play on that. To be honest with you, we haven't gone into that too much. But I mean, we do say on all of our drops, or not all of that, I should say, some of the drops that if you you know you buy this this digital, it does get you sort of allow list for a future drop. So for some of them, that does apply. 
But uh, yeah, it's definitely something we want to do, which is build in that kind of, you know, collector loyalty mentality. And but again, we're, we're, you know, we've got a small group of collectors on Twitter and LinkedIn. And I think that are passionate about what we're doing and the technology. But yeah, it's quite client based, you know, clients bring their community and we deliver the product. And then you leave it up to them to figure out how they're going to interact with it in the future. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we, they, we're there to support as well. We don't just shut the door, but we're definitely, you know, we produce the product, we, you know, service the tech. And then, yeah, I'd say it's up to them to, you know, consider another opportunity that we can work with them on. How would you like to see the technology improving going forward? What are some of the bits and pieces that you would like to plug in to make the whole experience a lot better? So we're talking to PoApp Studios, which is a really, yeah, quite an obvious play. Hopefully we'd like out garments to issue PoApps, which I think is a really, you know, I love what 9DCC are doing and I love what PoApp are doing. And at the moment, our product is built for authenticity and kind of elevated storytelling. But the idea of issuing PoApps from a hoodie on behalf of a brand and then gamifying that experience for your, you know, all of your hoodie wearers become ambassadors for your brand. That's a really interesting concept because you have all these people running around distributing perhaps from, let's say, Skoda because they're hoping to be the winner of something down the line. You know, so gamifying the experience, I think, is an interesting concept because at the moment what we do is pretty basic. I mean, it's not, but it is like, you know, you scan it and it's real or not, you know. It's not that fun unless you, you're the owner. <laughs> and do you also find it interesting for the non-tech enthusiasts to to get on board with this? Or do you feel that there are certain limits still when it comes to like interacting with the technology? Yeah, I think that, well, the biggest limit is still lack of Web3 wallet users. You know, I'm, I built this, well, we built this technology to further the adoption of Web3 and blockchain, really. But it's gone up and it's gone down again, and we're left with you know a small pool of Web three users really. So you know we've had to develop ways to make it easy for Web two users to come onto the site and buy NFTs without having a wallet, for example. But that's not really where we want to be heading. But we've had to adapt to to the market. So I suppose I'd like to see it easier on board ramps. You know it should be so easy. But I know banks are against. You know they really want to slow this down because they they have such you know I don't want to go too much into that part of it. But you know banks are fearful of the whole industry because it disrupts the banking system so much so they make it very difficult for onboarding people into the crypto ecosystem and that's their purpose but if it was a much easier and let's say even apple developed a wallet and one day we all woke up and everyone had a wallet on their phone that would be great <laughs> so yeah wallet use and accessibility would just make everybody's life a lot easier there's some yeah. friction at the moment that's you know put there on purpose i think will disappear eventually yeah, there is definitely a lot of friction on that front with with the wallets. I'm not a fan of, and it's not fr- user friendly, you know. It it's not at all, and I think like it scares a lot of people mm. off. And also the other fact that you mentioned that you rely on Polygon mm. and the gas fees to pay for the transactions mm. can they can get pretty wild mm, for sure. And even if you want to do something really nice for the community, right? For your tightest circle of people that you have around you, there's still like some money involved that they have to chip in just to mint. 
Absolutely. And I exactly. Feel, I feel like when this gets removed, like in in my personal opinion, people should not even know that they are interacting mm. with blockchain, mm -hmm. but they should be like they should be provided with the level of security that blockchain provides, mm. right? And once we enter this level, then I think we will we will see a lot bigger adoption mm. of of the products, right? And it goes back to what I was saying previously that like we don't want to be putting the labels yeah. out in the front, but we want to focus more on the user experience, the product, right? Exactly. Let's build a great user experience. Exactly. Let's not name this the next web three project nft project yeah. ai whatever the, yeah. the buzzword of the, tech, the day it? is but what problem does it solve mm -hmm. and how does it make my life better yeah yeah i think if we focus on these two questions mm. then i think uh, he does it really well is poap you know they've really done a great i know they they eat a lot of the costs i think they they pay the gas fees for all the transactions so I don't know how sustainable that is, but they what they have done is make it, they put NFTs into people's hands without them even really knowing. You know, they've got this mechanism where you can um, just put your email in if you don't have a wallet and then you can get it later, which, you know, so there's millions of people out there with PO apps and they've just made it really user-friendly. A hundred percent. And like, if you are smart about selecting the right blockchain where to deploy, and I don't want to be like name dropping here, but I don't think that there is that many reliable options to pick from. No, unfortunately. Uh, if you think about it, when you are picking the blockchain, it needs to be ready for scalability. And mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that at some point, Ethereum mm -hmm. will get there. For sure. There's, no, there's nothing taking Ethereum off of its second place now. You know, I do, I strongly believe that, I don't, this is not financial advice, but I really believe, you know, the traditional financial system will shift over to Ethereum. It has so much support from, let's say, you know, I know that a lot of big banks are not supporting crypto, but they're certainly investing and creating in the background. And, and a lot of them are working with Ethereum to create financial products. And you can't ignore the power of DeFi, which is all happening on, on Ethereum as well. So I would say it's the safest bet. But yes, it is expensive. There are gas fees. Like the amount of projects we've, you know, just to allow list people, I don't think anyone, no one realizes when we create an allow list it's a gas fee as well so every time someone sends us a wallet to make sure that someone can come and claim we have to pay a gas fee to make sure that wallet is on the system and it's like it's like ten dollars a piece which gets crazy when you're talking about you know 100 piece collection yeah uh, so yeah there are these you know so basically that is a barrier to entry for a lot of brands because they won't they, they won't do that i mean we're in a bit of a better position and we're a little bit we're more established so we can eat some of those costs but it's not not for everyone and what what is the limited ink like business model like what do the clients pay for and nah, if it, um, secret sauce as 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 no, long as you are willing to share that yeah right? yeah no it's not that secret i mean you know we're like in the, we're like an agency as well as a marketplace so we all charge a consultancy fee for you know really kind of conceptualizing and and building a whole project out and again like i said earlier we're flexible in what's and what a client might need from us so we can take on manufacturing you know we do we've created whole whole hoodie collections we create physical art we do global shipping or we can just literally do the tech and send people the chips and and they take everything so depending on what services they need from us will depend on the, the fee 
And then we take, and, and depending on that structure as well, we do a balance between an upfront fee and a percentage of sales on the primary market if it's if it's a, a natural launch of a sale. And then the big goal of Limited Inc. is to launch our digital marketplace. So that's basically enabling peer-to-peer trading. So you want to, you have a Supreme hoodie, you want to sell it now, and you've, you've bought it a year ago, you're trying to sell it for twice the price or whatever. I'm a buyer, I want to buy it from you. I buy it and you you know the NFT is transferred to my wallet straight away. Suprema paid 10% royalty on that transaction and limiting the marketplace is paid 5% or whatever it might be on the on the royalty as well. So we factor ourselves in as a on a royalty for all secondary sales too. So how do you coordinate the transfer of the physical and the digital at the same time? Does it all go through you so you you basically verify and then you pass that over to the new owner yeah we don't we're not a middleman in sense of we don't take ownership or possession of the physical so there is a level of verification needed before you know it can be shipped off but uh, there'll be an escrow service so a smart contract will take the nft and the funds and a big part of what's coming into web3 will be i believe strongly in this digital identity management you know reputation management and if you look at how we're all already kind of in that world like you know i rock my crypto punk as my pfp all over the internet you know it's kind of my digital self and that's you know i'm not the only one there maybe there's a lot less people doing it now but you know it's certainly i believe it's going to be a big part of existing and interacting on the internet in the future and if you think about what metaverse is it going to be it's just a more immersive digital internet experience so your digital reputation is going to be a big part of even you know we all exist in the real world and, you know, I operate, you know, safely and professionally because I'm, you know, I'm in the real world. So that's going to really translate into the digital world. So buying and selling will first launch a beta sort of example and invite, you know, trusted people to trade and then scale out based once we've kind of really refined that model. But essentially it would be a large part of online Web3 reputation management and making sure that people are using the technology for what it's what it's really purpose why do you think that the proof of authenticity so strongly resonates with our culture well i think in a in a world full of lack of transparency authenticity shines through and it's not really it's it's kind of like it's a byproduct of i think a lot of people missing it in in the corporate world and even day-to-day life now you know you live on we live online a lot and it's very hard to tell what's real and what's not and what you know when someone's selling something to you and when they're not and i think authenticity is part of human nature you know we all want to connect on an authentic level and being able to verify the authenticity of the things around you is inherent in us being human so being able to do that with something you own and you know, you care, you know, if you're spending your hard earned money on something, generally, you're pretty careful about how you do that and where you do that. And so the idea of being able to now verify that it is what the person who's selling you it says it is, is it could be a really important step towards just building in more confidence and transparency into those transactions. Are you also looking into leveraging influencers? Because from what you were talking about it was mostly brands for now mm-hmm. but influencers often also sell like their limited items and they could be big proponents of yeah. you, your brand as well yeah i mean yeah definitely not against you know influencers just 
influencers are just you know individuals who have generated a large following you know so as long as they're authentic and you know have a cool idea or a good product to sell then we'll back we'll get behind it i'm not going to help someone you know scale up a massive rug pull and you know help them drop something we're not also passionate about you know it's got to align with again with kind of what we're trying to create here we've got to be careful that's for sure yeah yeah exactly <laughs> do you think that this is going to be the new norm that it'll be standard that there is a piece of technology yeah. in every item that we buy and we verify where it's from and for uh... sure, yeah yeah i think looking at other brands you know nike and artifact you know they've really stepped into the space they've done a hoodie they've done now they've dropped trainers i mean it's the perfect application for trainers if you think about how people trade on StockX, it's absolutely brilliant so yeah i think when you see heavy hitters like that test out that technology and they did really well i mean they sold a lot in 24 hours obviously things have slowed down now so everyone's taking a bit of a you know no one's rushing to the market with it but i think five to ten years if you're buying something of value you won't do it unless you're you're either scanning the actual item or you're scanning a blockchain backed certificate of authenticity so an actual token piece of paper that has a chip in it that corresponds to the to the physical piece do you think that there needs to be an advancement in terms of technology so this is ready for the masses that like we can put it into all the products like just to mm. drop the price of the chip yeah, and sure. drop the price of the fees to a bare minimum so it's something very negligible and i think when... it will yeah it's inevitable like the chips have shrunk in size and in price as we go and it's you know it should continue that way so we use a pea size chip at the moment and you know when i first started playing around with them it was like a button size so it's definitely moving in the right direction and i do yeah i think it's going to be i mean the, the things they're doing with nfc circuitry and i mean it's incredible really i think in a few years you won't even see the chip you know at the moment you can feel it where it is but sooner or later it'll be woven into the fabric it'll be woven into the paper you won't really know it exists and at the moment you can put you know one of our products in the wash you can iron it it doesn't you know it doesn't affect it in any way so it will become part of the product and as it as the price of them drops more brands will adopt it and yeah i can't imagine kids in 10 years you know they're going to be taking out their phones they're going to be in a nike store they're going to be tapping it they're going to be going yeah this is real obviously it's real they're in the store but i mean you know they're tapping it and they're engaging with it and it's there's a gamified experience by interacting with it and this is the power of what brands can can deliver through that type of product so it's, i can't see how brands won't adopt it do you feel that in 10 years kids will still use phones yeah that's another question know, you know, yeah <laughs> i'll be tapping it with their, their hand phone <laughs> yeah i think yeah i mean it's funny isn't it because we're already what would you call you know we're already merging with technology aren't we with the phone in our hand but it's just a really bad way of doing it because it takes time for us to put our fingers on a keyboard but that will it is it will be ingrained. it is terrible way of doing it like you are filtering everything that you want to do either that you want to send out to the world mm. or you want to consume mm. through a very tiny screen yeah and we are only leveraging like piece of our senses right uh, and when we come up with a technology suddenly that leverages all of our senses mm -hmm. at the same time 
imagine like what the throughput is going to be. Yeah, like, the experience will be. Like I, it gets even scary, right? Because like it could mess our mind. Also, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think that there is certain limit, right? We don't want to burn out either. Yeah, but I do think I think the way we're going with the exponential rate at which AR AI is developing, it won't be long until the first prototype is, you know, the Neuralink. Someone's going to do it. Probably be Elon Musk. He does it first, probably. You know connecting ai into our biology so that we become immediately smarter and you know immediately able to digest much quicker you know the moment is very limited yes we're looking at it through a screen we're also looking we're absorbing through our eyes and our ears you know our biological sensory systems but when you implement ai that will just change and we'll be able to you know consume a lot more i suppose and and you know tap into the power of ai ourselves is there a piece of technology that you would really like to see to come out in the near future that would make your life happier and mm. easier well i would have said vr you know something that, that connected us more to the digital world i mean i'm in one way i'm not a proponent of us accelerating into the digital world but in another way i am because i'm i'm excited by it too and i find it really interesting and i and i'm extremely excited by ai i love playing around with midjourney I think it's incredibly exciting with and it's part of human nature isn't it you know we 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 kind of get excited by the unknown it's the next adventure it's the the frontier isn't it and I would say it's scary and exciting what we're going towards you know and I don't think we were prepared for what AI has the potential of doing whether it's good or bad so yeah I don't know if it's a specific technology but I I'm you know I'm excited to see AI unfold for sure yeah. When I look at what has happened in the past three to six months, okay. just six uh, months, it is scary, mm. and I can't even imagine what's gonna what's gonna happen in the next six months. Yeah, I But mean, we'll only see. We'll yeah. find out. Yeah, yeah, it will be fun. I think you know, if you, the best thing to do. Well, I don't know what the best thing is, but what I'm trying to do is stay in touch with it and make sure I'm constantly learning from it, so that I'm not displaced by it. Because I do believe there is going to be a level of displacement. But I think it's important you stay abreast and you know don't let it kind of pass you by because you'll wake up in a year and I don't know the world will be very different. Yeah, you gotta stay on top of the game. Mm -hmm. Well, so happy that you joined me for doing the show, and I think what helps me to stay on top of the game is to talk to people like you, likewise, and learn from <laughs> them. So thank you so much for doing that, and yeah, I wish you. The best of luck with navigating the journey for Limited Inc. Thank and you. Uh, we'll definitely stay paying close attention to it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please follow us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And we'll be thankful if you leave us a review. That's it for now. Till next time on the Next Level Show.